Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we are talking about niche marketing. What is it, and who needs it? Yeah, so this topic, I guess, arises from a question that we got uh, in the DMs or in the Q&A boxes somewhere along the lines on Instagram in regards to whether you actually need to niche down. Now, this is important for obviously not only those who are personal trainers or practitioners or online coaches, whatever role you might be playing like in the health and fitness industry, but it's also just important for business in general. So we're going to have a little bit of a chat about like niche marketing um, and like niche communities and like what that even means. Yeah, it was interesting to to read the nature of that question where the woman who reached out sort of felt as if she was doing something wrong because she didn't have a niche. So people must always think, okay, I need to have my niche and, and all of that. And you hear that a lot in sort of marketing courses and business, you know, find your niche and all of that. Um, and yeah, today we'll talk about how we sort of got to our niche. You don't just decide to embark on a journey and your career and go okay this is my niche like it mm. takes trial and error yeah well straight up for you Danny like yes or no answer do you need niche I think you do yes yes, yes. good we're on the same plane yes <laughs> next Danny I've got notes but I'm like oh I wonder if she's on a different page here but yeah like we both are under the impression what that niche is important but how you get to that niche is going to look so different and there is no one way of doing it. But we really want to, I guess, dissect what, what a niche is because I think that there's confusion out there of like what a niche is. Um, and then we can talk about the context of niching down for marketing purposes, for community purposes, and something that I was even thinking about for satisfaction purposes. Like we like working with people that we like working with. Yeah. So if we can work with the type of clientele that we authentically know that we can help, like genuinely we're like yes I can help you um then we're going to be like it's going to be easier to market it's going to be easier to sell it's going to be easier to build a community like all those things all of a sudden become easier rather than trying to work with everyone because unfortunately like and I think generalists are great like people we all start as generalists by the way we all start sort of working with like a bit of everyone to sort of figure out who we want to work with but eventually like niching down is what most successful businesses will do yeah. So whether you're selling a service or a product or anything in which someone can purchase something, um, you need a niche. Like, for example, a product at Kmart doesn't appeal to everyone, but they know the marketing and the language and, mm -hmm. and everything to draw a specific person into that aisle to that object. Same with coaching services. Um, it's really important to have that specific group of clientele um, it could be gender, it could be age, it could be fitness goals, it could be type of equipment they want to train with, training styles, experience. There's so many different categories. And if we're to give the best service and really fine tune our niche, it's about us recognizing who are the kind of people that we can help and that we enjoy helping. Yeah, absolutely. One cool concept that I wanted to bring up, and I, there would be a lot of people out here that would have heard of the concept of um, true fans. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, Danny, but basically there was a guy called, what was his name, Kevin Kelly, and he wrote an article, I think it was way back in like oh, 2000, early 2000s, which is a long time now, which is, <laughs> it's a long time ago, um, <laughs> early 2000s when I guess like 
the online, um, like the internet, you know, that was becoming sort of a mainstream thing. And he wrote this article called A Thousand True Fans. And basically he was, the, the whole concept of the article is that you don't need millions and millions of followers to have a successful business. And it was directly, this article was directly targeted towards um, musicians, I believe at that time. He was saying like to be a successful musician or um, in, in that industry, you don't need like millions of people listening to your tracks. You don't need these, like this big extravagant following that, you know, is still believed now that you need hundreds of thousands of followers. He was saying you only need a thousand true fans and there's a difference between a follower and a fan, right? Like a true fan is someone where you put out anything and they're like all over it. They love it. They're buying it. They're here for you. You don't even have to Mm. tell them what it is. They're buying it. Um, And (laughs) it's very different to like an Instagram follower or like a follower on TikTok or like a friend, like they're very different. And I almost put true fans um, in the category of people that subscribe to your email list or maybe like YouTube followers or like clients, obviously. Podcast listeners. Podcast listeners, like people that are like engaged for a long period of time. They're listening to you. They're they're really, um, they're not just following, you know, they're not following. They're actually engaged listeners. They're engaging with your content. Um, They're your true fans. And basically that's where we need to be starting with marketing, right? Like nurturing people to become true fans. And I thought that that tied in directly to niche because you'll probably find that your true fans, like maybe they might not be niched to a demographic, like age, sex, location, but they might all have a same like underlying need of, you know, feeling a sense of community or, you know, wanting to be fitter or, you know, wanting to find other mums that are crushing their goals, like whatever their their um, psychographic is, that's the niche, right? Not the age of the client you're working with, which is what traditionally people think. They go, oh yeah, my niche is women between 25 and 30 that live in like, you know, country Victoria that do this for fun. Like that's not your niche. That's just a list of things. A niche is like, a a psychographic of like what their values, what their interests, what their mission, like what are they rallying together um, to represent like Tupperware, like CrossFit, like think of these (laughs) niches and what their actual needs are. So I wanted just to flag that, like for anyone who hasn't read that article, uh, True Fans by Kevin Kelly, uh, it's a really interesting read to read it, like written all the way back in like 2000 and how it's still applicable now in 2022. Yeah, Kevin Kelly, thank you for that share. And it's um, very important to recognize that. And I think in one of our other social media episodes, we did talk about try not for people who have an online presence, try not to get caught up in just the number of followers, particularly um, if you are a trainer or offer a small amount of work, like face to face, you don't need a million followers. Like if your books are filled at 30 sessions, spend time nurturing those true fans, find ways in which you can, you know, improve the service to them and, and all of that. So I I think it's very different from a sense of being a coach because that's what we're talking about today. An online presence and niche compared to face-to-face as well. Very different. Online, you can probably put more focus on your online presence and everything like that. Mm. face-to-face, probably a little bit more community-based. I mean, Mm. I'm spending time, again, with new trainers that are coming into Pado and all of that, and it's interesting to try and go back in time 10 years in my own mind of what did I used to do to get clients? Because straight away I would advise them, yep, online, this, that, but then I also had to help explore with them community 
go to the local cafe and, and have a chat to the people behind mm-hmm. who's making your coffee or flyer drops. All of those things that are deemed quote unquote old school is still actually applicable for face-to-face trainers. I found it really um, difficult at the start to sort of go back to that mindset because mm-hmm. uh, I haven't visited it in a while, um, but it is yeah, there are, there's two different ways in, in terms of face-to-face versus online niche, but there is overlap, of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much harder to build community online than in person. I think people think it's the other way around. It's actually incredibly difficult to build a sense of community online because online, like it, when we look at a following, it's a pool of people, like just dots in a pool. They're not really connected. Whereas like, let's say at Pado or at a gym, like where you're connecting with people, it's a web. You know, everyone's connected. So it's a tighter sense of community versus just like a following that like those followers aren't actually connected by much at all. It's your job as the hub to connect a pool mm-hmm. um, of people, which is very, very challenging. But um, we could go on for hours about that. We might flick <laughs> over and talk about like what actually is a client niche. Yes, and we did touch on that before, and I loved how you, how I traditionally listed off age, sex, location, ASL. Remember t- on the chat? Oh, yeah. He's like oh. ASL. <laughs> <laughs> but then you you mentioned psychographics. You know what are their needs? Because yeah. sometimes you can be at a different age but have similar needs as well. So I love that you really flagged that and highlighted that. Um, but it is important, I feel, for a new trainer to have the trial and error. And I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here, but that's okay. So because before we get into the 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 niche part of it and, you know, fine tuning, it's okay, guys. If you're a little bit unsure and you're still, you're taking on all kinds of clients, I feel that that is the best way to go, honestly, yeah. particularly if you don't have many leads coming through or many client interests coming through. Take everyone on and then you can fine tune as you go along. Very important. How did you find that at the start, Danny? Like, um, you know, I assume you're speaking from experience where like you worked with a, a host of different clientele. How, like, how long was that period? Like how long was that duration? And then during that time, like what was your, I guess, intrinsic um, motivation like towards working with a variety of people? And how do you feel like that improved or um, hindered the service uh, or the what you were providing? I'm just curious. I'm oh, answers. Yeah, yeah. So I started training people in 2013. 13, again, well before social media was big. So all of my clients came through the gyms that I worked at. You know, you you just rocked up to your shift and logged on to the computer and then you had X amount of people booked in with you for a free session or a free program. So you couldn't look at that computer and say, no, I don't want to train you or yes, I want to train you because then my boss would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you had to take them on. Um And then over time, I left sort of the commercial gyms and then started training my own clients, which still, that's even hard in itself. Now you've got a rent to pay, a couple of hundred dollars a week, probably about back then it was like two, three hundred. I think rent's a little bit more now, which is like a house rent. So again, you don't want to be too picky at the start. Take people on. And then I found as I became more popular and my books were more full, I was able to then um, fine tune. Okay. This is the kind of client that I can give a good service to or work well with. I, we enjoy spending time together. Um, so it was really sort of earning the right as a gym floor trainer to, and then feeling confident enough to say no to people. But when you've got bills to pay at the start, it is quite scary 
um, to say no to people. You just sort of take people on. As you get more full, you get your confidence, you work out your training style and people naturally come to you. They might see you training a certain type of person. They go, oh, that looks like me or those jokes. I've, mm. I've got that same banter. And then you just find your community community organically. Um, but yeah, it was a hustle at the start. It was really hard work. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, something that come up for me recently is like when I was um, taking the coach, the coaches mentorship that we've like just finished up. One of our sections was on like um, niching in community. And I was sort of saying the exact points that we were saying earlier, like it's important to find your niche. It's important to work with the clients that you want to work with, like niche down. And then like what you just mentioned from that experience, like it's not always that easy at the start. Mm. What do you do when that's not the case? And it sort of made me zoom out and go, oh, okay, yeah, that this is the end goal right like let's niching down and finding that is like the end goal of going through like a big period of trial and error of figuring things out yeah. um you don't have to have it figured out at the start uh and you can learn very quickly through taking on the wrong clients that these aren't really the people that you want to be working with and i always like to think now like i'm pretty clear on my niche and i sort of can um like subjectively know who's right and maybe who's not a good fit and i think like it's only through experience of being like oh like maybe not at the moment maybe not right now and like just from my experience the reason why i think like that now and even though like you said it'd be easier to just take them on all the time is because I always try to prioritize community and brand first because I know that like one bad egg can spoil the bunch and when I say bad egg I just sort of mean like I guess for for my niche it's not like like you said it's not age it's not sex it's not oh maybe it is sex (laughs) well it is women oh we don't want to go down this tangent but whatever (laughs) it's not like a specific set of criteria that anyone needs to meet it's honestly just the willingness to learn and like um you know be engaged and be involved and have that eagerness Mm. of of personal growth and I'm like oh that can happen at like 50 60 that can happen 20 you know we literally have that diversity with age so it really made me step back and go it's psychographic it's not necessarily demographic and like the age thing is not a piece anymore it's really like there is no different and I was a little bit worried at the start with like a a big gap in age um like with some of the women in the women's health movement for example I was like oh you know is that is that a an issue or a problem it sounds so naive now of me saying it um but now in group settings I'm like of course it's not like there is absolutely no difference between someone that's 23 and has that trait and someone that's 53 there's yep. no difference so I encourage people to like zoom out and think about well what is my niche from maybe like a characteristic perspective like what do they all have in common rather than like you know age location like those sorts of things um what is the actual psycho like psychographic of this clientele that I'm trying to work with and where can you find more of them because that's the other piece is like niches find niches like people with common interests they find other people with common interests probably one of the reasons why we are like you know doing a podcast together is because (laughs) people that have a specific niche we want to find our people we want to find our community so thanks for sharing that I just wanted to share like yeah like I guess like how my thoughts of niche have actually changed yeah, yeah. And um, it, again, just depends who we're talking to. But I am aware that a lot of our listeners are still on the gym floor and even people that reach out to us. So um, I just want to 
uh, make sure that we account to them as well because we've kind of fast forwarded you know a decade into our career and we've gotten to this point now but then I feel like it's also nice to rewind and then show the thought process that we had to go through Uh, what I did enjoy at the start when I sort of um, you know the first two three years of my career taking anyone on you learn how to communicate with different people like I would have young teenage boys or you know older older people as well and and you did say that the age doesn't really matter which is correct if the personality traits align um but I feel a conversation with a 14 year old or or 16 whatever the legal age is to train at a gym would be different to maybe a 70 year old with grandkids you know what I mean you you just extremes matter yeah extremes matter yeah but from a face-to-face I mean if they were in a big community pool online maybe different story but face-to-face just the banter is different and it really challenges you um to to know what questions to ask that person or Mm. what space to give them or you know did you see the game on the weekend or how are the grandkids or you know the wet yeah look when in doubt the weather <laughs> but you know what I mean so it's, it was a really cool experience to be able to go through aligning with different personality types and different kinds of people but yeah as I said as soon as I got in the position where I could um you know work online and create um different a, a different niche and more fine tuner I jumped on that straight away it's just mm-hmm. more enjoyable for everyone and then the service that you give is spot on and and they're there to get help and a, a very specific help not just sort of a wishy-washy service where everyone's a little bit unsure yeah really well said I think as well something you're mentioning there and it doesn't matter what industry you do this in but just life experience working with people like this is something like hands down I grew up so quick when I became a nurse because I was like yeah. holy shit like big problems real things in life and learning how to actually navigate tricky conversations tricky situations great happiness like learning how to actually just communicate you know English being a second language for some people like learning all of those cultural aspects what's socially appropriate and what's not you know some people they'll say something and you're like that is not socially appropriate (laughs) yeah you know and I just I put that down to lack of life experience um whether it's just people not having that you know like not having worked for someone and being told like you know you don't say that to your boss or you you know you don't do that or that's inappropriate like not having been told that where it's like heck there was a hierarchy at the hospital and boy did I feel it you know really you just do in certain situations and I actually think it's good for you to have life experience like we all get it through for example a lot of us worked in hospitality like you learn Mm. how to cop the front you don't cook the food but it's your problem right when you don't cook the food right um there's so many things that you just learn through working with uh like a diverse group of people um and then not only that but then you discover like who you mesh with and you know I say like would I take them fishing like who I would take (laughs) fishing who I'd leave on the on the shore like (laughs) you sort of develop that thing and that was just my subconscious way of being like that's my person like they're my people I would take them fishing so whatever language and whatever way you need to frame it um I'm always a massive fan of like trusting your instinct and trusting your gut like it doesn't have to fall into such an objective way like when we try to make things too objective and too analytical when it comes to these sorts of topics we usually just go too too fact um and we do need to go more about like the what do I like you know who do I mesh with where's the positive vibes the energy like I I do feel like we need to take that into consideration when you're thinking of niche oh yeah and it always comes up as well like um 
particularly for new trainers or people that are taking a new step in their career and, and a new challenge like imposter syndrome and do I, I don't know enough for this mm. niche or I need to work with this amount of people. And the conversations that you and I have um, with people that come to us with this problem is always like it's not always about how much you know. It's your personality. As you said, mm. the good vibes. It's what else can you provide them as well as training, nutrition, mindset, health, all of that stuff. It's like, are you going to ask them how they are with a smile on your face and bring that energy and and just be your personality and, and your language and all of that? It's so important. And I, I always use the example, like we've all been to an appointment with some, and I, I won't label an occupation, but we've all been to an appointment with a really smart person, like a textbook smart. They know all the answers, but then their people skills are just so poor yeah. that you leave feeling Gosh, really like bad. Well, I wasn't going to name occupations, but yeah, straight <laughs> into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I suppose a lot of people are, are um, for that job to be a surgeon, you need to be just focused. You can't yes. fluff around you know, talking about other stuff when you're about to do open heart surgery or whatever. Like, mm. but for a trainer, your client doesn't want to come to you in most cases and you just spit out anatomical knowledge and, you know, origins and insertions of muscles and, and all of this and just, you know, try and show how smart you are. Mm. They want to come, have fun, get their problems solved with you in a way that's not like in a layman's term that they can understand. It's mm. good for the for us to keep learning and knowledge. But at the end of the day, we need to stop putting so much pressure on ourselves to know it all. Because at the end of the day, your clients just want to come in and have a really good time as well. Absolutely. I saw this thing the other day. It was like most people don't um, don't continue like reading above um, the le- level of a year six. Um, like that oh. was the average reading level um, like globally. <laughs> and he was sort of saying like to the point of like, Think about whether people understand even what you're saying. Like, who are you actually speaking to? Are you speaking to the one percenters in your industry? Like, if you're wanting to work with, like, you know, Gen Pop, like, are you just speaking to the other coaches? And here you are worried about whether you're smart enough when they don't even understand you. So sometimes I think it's really important to zoom out and do that. And don't get me wrong, like, even I've had those thoughts most definitely when I first started, like, oh, I'm not smart enough. Why would they want me on their podcast? Like, why are they coming to me? They're a coach. Like, I had all those thoughts too until I really realized why people were actually coming to me and why people actually wanted me it's really not because of my smarts like I have no issue with saying like I'm an intelligent person but like there's a hell of a lot of people more intelligent than me and they could go to them too so it's just about realizing the value that you actually provide is far beyond your intellectual means Mm. Um, and no one actually cares what you know unless they know that you care and some people don't have that second ability to really communicate with someone hold space build rapport have good communication and dialogue and the reason why I dropped the thing about the surgeon was like no disrespect because there's a lot of great surgeons out there with awesome um, you know communication skills but I've definitely been on the opposite side where a surgeon will come in go (laughs) and then they'll walk out and then the patient would be like and I'll be like, so what that means yeah. is. And then that's your role as the personal trainer. Like people are coming to you being like, I saw this and there was keto and I don't know and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, let me simplify and show you the correct way. That's actually your role. No, oh, yeah. Simplifying it to, to give them that comfort as well. Because as you said, they might hear something from the surgeon or, you know, I'd get patients with referrals with their MRIs in their hand being like, oh my God, all these big words, it looks really bad. But it's so beautiful to yeah. be able to calm them down and go, no, 
it's okay. Like it means this and this is what we're going to do about it. Sometimes you read those reports and you're trying to like articulate it and you're like, okay, so nothing's wrong. Literally. (laughs) It's like three paragraphs of long words. And you're like, yeah, you're fine. (laughs) Oh, it's so, it's bullshit conclusion. And I like nothing's wrong, but it's like all these words. But honestly, that's the way the world works. And we just have to realize that, you know, when we're trying to do what we do in like the fitness industry is so young and so fresh um, that we can just do whatever the hell we want if we've got the right intentions at heart. But I think like zooming forward, yes, working with everyone. Yes, trial and error. Yes, really figuring out who you like to work with, who you can genuinely help, um, where your skill set lies and what you love doing. That's really important. And that can be like, you know, three months to like three, five years. Like you can experiment for a long time until you really figure out your niche. But once you get to that point where perhaps demand is high enough where you can really niche down or the alternative is like the the demand doesn't have to be there. You can just um, engage in like niche marketing and really start marketing towards that niche and start attracting that type of client. Yes, it might take a little bit longer to be able to get there, but you'll get to the niche a lot quicker than, you know, just sort of the the alternative, which is waiting for the demand to fill up and then picking up a bunch. Um, If you, once you get to that state, like I think it's really important to one, recognize when you're there some people think they're there before they are as well. Mm. They're like, no, I'm only taking on this client. It's like, you're probably not there yet. You probably need to, do you know, that's honest though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you're probably not there yet. You need to take on this client. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what you said, you know, work with everyone yeah. Um, so that you earn the right to be able to then, you know, pick from the bunch. I think that's just a given to be honest. Um, And then once you get to that point, you can start niching down and be like, okay, I've had a, a lot of experience. I'm confident in what I do. I'm confident that I can deliver a result for this type of person. Um, And I'm willing to put the hard yards in now to really niche down on marketing, niche down on my messaging, my content, my branding, who I am, like how I show up to be able to really leverage this niche to my full potential. Fantastic. And all of those things that you listed, um, it starts from us knowing what we provide. Okay. What actually do we do? If someone asks, so what do you do? Even though I kind of still struggle now because you do so many things, but you need to know the gist of it. Okay. This is what I do. This is how I help people. Um, My biggest challenge, and I knew I had a, a problem with people understanding my niche was when I didn't understand my niche. And that was when I was crossing over or trying to bridge the gap between um, being a trainer and then I sort of went to online only and then I finished my osteo degree and then was molding that in. So I was working hands-on for a bit and it's like what I was putting out there was a different message to what I was actually doing. And I recognized there was a problem when people would message and say, oh, can you help with this or what is it that you do? And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm putting all this stuff out there and people still don't understand what I do. So that's when I really had to have a a game plan and a chat to myself and go, okay, we need to be really clear in your marketing, in what you're talking about, in what you're showing so people can understand when to come to you or when to send people to you as well. So from a business point of view, it's really important to be specific because if you don't know the kind of service or if you you're trying to wear all the hats then if, and you're confused people looking at your content and reaching out to you or and all of that they're definitely going to be confused mm. was there a specific time or like a specific situation where that became more i guess um like more in your awareness um in my awareness it was when when the crosser uh sorry it was when i was still working hands on but i was only 
posting and talking about exercise. Mm. So I I never made one manual therapy yeah. post on my Instagram. And it was when um a, a dry needling company reached out to me because uh, I'd always like all my stories posts that I was doing dry needling just because it was fun and something cool back then in my eyes and and all of that. I'm like, look, I'm putting needles in people and myself. Um, and then <laughs> and then I had a company reach out saying, hey, like I've seen your stories. Would you ever take on like a an ambassador role and post on your newsfeed? And then I'm like, no, I wouldn't actually. And then I, I got questioning. I'm like, why wouldn't I? And so on and so forth. And then I realized, hey, that because that's not the path that I want to stay in. Mm. Um, and then from there, then there was the, you know, quitting all manual therapy work. And, and then when I let go of that, it was able to be a little bit more clear in what I do just for my personal coaching. Then we've got the gym, we've got the app, we've got United Health, but that's a, we've got the podcast. They're, they're completely different stories. Mm. Still reflections of you though. And when we're saying mm. niching, we're really talking about like not even a niche for a specific, like niche people brand. Do you know what I mean? Danny, like you're the, you're the treetop, you know, and all those sort of things are mm. underneath you as well as the brand. So you just became more clear on the, the values and the things that you stand for. Um, and therefore you started reflecting, like reflecting and mirroring those. And mm. I was even talking about this on my story the other day sort of um you know like how my messaging's changed like over the years and the same for both of us like maybe the the values that we reflect like on socials and like you know on podcasts like we've rebranded the podcast like we rebrand like rebranding is fine it's almost like re-niching to be honest it's like re reuniting your message in a, in a way and you know as you're saying that you're like oh I never posted it on my grid like I rarely ever posted nursing on my grid like I did every now and then yes. it was a hat that I wore but my page was fitness and I didn't even realize mm. at the time that you know that's just sort of the the direction I feel like it's a forecast of like where you're actually going or um what you're actually doing so we have lots of niches and I definitely still have a heavy nursing shift working niche, but not because of the fact that I'm a nurse, but because of the fact that I was a nurse that prioritized health and fitness and recovery and sleep. And like, yeah, still the two that put together, like people didn't come to me because of that nursing piece. They came to me to be like, well, I want to learn how to be a healthier shift worker. That was why they came to me. So those pieces still aligned. And then the same with the competing piece. It was like, well, people don't really come to you because you're a competitor. They they come to you because of the type of competitor that you were, right? Like, and what you actually stood for as that person, because anyone can look good. Like anyone can sort of have a body. There's a lot of people on um, socials that look a certain way that don't have community. They might have following, they don't have community. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to understand those two. But as you become more certain of yourself and more clear of the messaging and the brand that you are as a person, the better that you can niche down to be able to really understand. And I think it's important because I think even at the start, I tried to speak to everyone like as well, like on socials, I tried to sort of like cater to everyone. Whereas now I post content very much for like the type of person that I am and the people that I'm directly speaking to. And every now and then I'll get someone comment on it and be like, this doesn't make sense for me. I'm blah, blah, blah. And I'm th mm -hmm. all my, my thought, I'm like, I'm not talking to you. Like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm sorry but I'm like I'm not talking like for sure you're going to yeah. get that right you're going to get that when you're speaking to a pool of people but the message isn't going to resonate with everyone and it's really important because um you're only trying to resonate with specific type of person and it's the same thing we do with the podcast like we've said so many times like not every episode is going to land for every person and that's so okay we want to make sure that there's something for everyone um at some stage because this is sort of like a social platform yeah. but inside our businesses like inside what we do inside like our real expertise and um skill set 
that's where the niche really needs to come out. And niche marketing is a reflection of that. It's not going to be everything that you do, but when you put out a specific message, and I know this um, all the time when I do my own marketing, it would be like, that really resonated with me. And I'm like, yes, that's how you know that you're, you're mm. messaging and your wording and the way you phrase things and your expression and your nonverbal communication, it's actually resonating with the right people. And that's awesome. There's nothing yeah. salesy or cliche about that. You're actually speaking to the people that you want to in a pool or a sea that can become really really saturated and difficult to get a message across. Yeah, very good. And it's been so cool to uh, see. I feel like, yeah, as you said, social media or the or the news feed is like a forecast almost or it's, it's a, a reflection. And you and I, when we were competing, it used to be a lot of body shots on there. And, and I'll ask you about your sort of recent post or last week as well regarding that. But we've both gone through that same transition. We started just posting about our fitness journey and a lot of body shots and this is how many macros I'm on. This is what I weigh now and and all of that. And, and it worked for us at the start because we had a little bit of authority in the industry. We practiced what we preached. Um, but then we shifted more to educational and then and we had our own realizations. Hang on, there's more to health and wellness than just how you look. So then as we started learning more about sleep, nutrition, stress management, all of that, feeling good, performing well, that changed as well and, and became less less body shots because there was less focus just on physique and, and all of that. So we've definitely ran with the wind when it came to our niche at the time, but then we haven't stuck with that as we've grown and learned because then that would be inauthentic to preach a message to people that we didn't believe in anymore. So there's definitely been that transition. Um, and the other week, I, I can't remember, quite recently you did post this is what my grid used to look like. There were a lot of delicious photos there, but, but now this is what it what it looks like. So do you mind me asking what made you sort of highlight that? Mm. What, what made me even realise it? Mm. Oh, I know what it was. <laughs> I was reflecting on like um, the new generation, I guess, like coming into the fitness industry and like that we all sort of start with there. We all start with the yep. same photographers the same photo shoots the same things and like you know even um even like a lot of people are inspired by other people doing photo shoots so it's the same look the same stylist the same thing <laughs> and I was scrolling through and I was like yeah like this is the honestly I find it so fascinating just like the um the, like the sociology way of how we function as humans I find it so like interesting like how we role model and how we um look up to others and how we we're influenced um by certain industries and people and I was just reflecting on that and then um looking at like I went back and looked at some of my old content because you you know how on Instagram you can look up your um your insight and you can look at your analytics with stuff oh, like yeah. most likes most say um instagram's done a lot of like new features if you haven't done any scrolling it's so interesting to go back and have a look and i was just looking at all my old, old content like most saves most likes most reshares etc and i noticed that it was just all my educational stuff cool. um, and right down at the bottom it was like you know all the old shots that i used to do which is still fine like i said there's nothing wrong with it like the, in my opinion the captions are very insightful some <laughs> much with the photo um but you know and and value is so different different for everyone what some people find valuable others won't you know yeah. so it's, it's some people don't find education valuable they just want entertainment on a platform and that's so fine so again that's why niching is important but I was just reflecting on yeah like the 
the content that's got the most um, reach has been usually the most educational or inspirational. Like if I've made sort of like an inspiring reel or something like that. Anyways, and then I just did some scrolling of myself and I was like looking, then I just, it sort of was like black and white of like how different my feeds looked. Um, And yeah, I was just sort of speaking on my stories about it's not, I didn't intentionally do it. It's just Mm. happened as I've grown and evolved and the type of content that I intrinsically get more value out of creating some of those reels can take like a long time whether it's like recording in the gym and then like exporting it and editing Mm. it and sending it for captions doing like all this stuff it can take a long period of time so it's rewarding to know that that sort of stuff is making the most um or giving the most value to a lot of people and they're using it in a way that I want to and then I was reflecting on like the women's health movement brand that we've put a lot of work into and like how strong that brand's becoming as well and I think it's a reflection of all the pillars underneath it like you your stuff stuff like the stuff you put out the things you do and say and the things you don't say um the messages you support and the messages you don't support and all of these things like brand takes years to build years and years and years to build decades a lifetime to build but it can be destroyed in seconds Mm -hmm. um if you're barking the wrong thing so i think it's something i wasn't aware of when i first started on socials and like i said neither right or wrong but i just know the projection of the way that i want to go and the way that i want the women's health movement to be perceived the way i want to be perceived the opportunities i want to open up doors to um and what that where that has to start like what are the small micro actions that I have to just consistently do to make sure that they come to life. Yeah, that's brilliant. And to be honest, I thought initially you were going to say the other way around, the body shots had more saves, likes, views, but then that proves that the people following you are the ones that are there for what you actually want them to follow you for, which is the education and the effort that you put in the other posts. Whereas someone who may have grown their followers you know, five years ago when it was easy to get followers or they might have just been uh, collecting the numbers rather than giving value, a lot of the time it would be the complete opposite. People are just there to have a look, have a bit of a sneaky perv, press like and then move on, but then never be a part of the community, never um, be a part of the service that you're providing. So those statistics just there really prove that you have fine-tuned that niche Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's good feedback for everyone else to to go back into their insights. Make sure you set your Instagram page to business. You'll get access to your insights and you can actually have a look. Oh, these posts actually got the most shares or reach, as you mentioned earlier, and, and saved. So well done. That's very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something for everyone because it's... um. Like, like I said, like at the start, it might be the other way around. Like a lot of the posts that had a, had gained a lot of, it, um, you know, saves or shares or now, they're more recent. Um, and I would say as well, like that maybe the progression in my own content creations helped with that. Like there's lots of things that are going to be able to help with that. But yeah. at the start, I can guarantee that I would have got more engagement on um, like images where I looked good. And that's... Mm. Like, again, it's not a bad thing. It's not good nor bad, just fact, right? Yeah. Just fact of like the way as humans we sort of function. But something that like I love analytics, I love data. And like even with my own, um, you know, um, following, like how that sort of changed as well, like majority of my followers are female, um, whereas back in the day it might have been like sort of like a 50-50 or like yeah. a 60-40 split, whereas now I'm like, 
What about the quality of your followers rather than the number? Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there that sort of preach going through and like um, removing a lot of like bots and people that aren't gen genuine followers um, because it actually dilutes the way your algorithm works on Instagram. And this is why a lot of people that like buy followers and just, you know, do that sort of shit. They just shoot themselves in the foot, honestly. Yeah. It's like the biggest, you've absolutely screwed yourself here in your account. You may as well start again, um, yes. sort of fact. And I think it's just really important because you're trying to to turn your followers into true fans um, into a specific niche. You want them to support you. Honestly, you want them to back you and engage in your content and actually see it, right? And only 7% of your following at maximum will see your posts. So you want to really be able to make sure that 7% is going to be able to engage with it so it can become 14%, etc., cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's just the, the way socials work. But it all starts with brand, niche, and community. Yeah, fantastic. And it feels nice too, because then if you don't have that connection with your followers, particularly in the in the online world, it's just going to be empty and it'll be an empty journey because your numbers might be climbing up, but you never actually truly interact with people outside of likes or views. Like those things are still nice and you want to use that data, but the the um the journey will be very empty if you're not actually meeting people or messaging people or putting that time in. So, yeah, I just want to reiterate, as you have been mentioning as well, focus on those true fans and that community. And it doesn't even have to be a thousand people, you know, that was just the example. But, mm. you know, it can be 30 people. It can be 10 really close people in your life and yeah. in your community. And then it just organically grows from there. And then it's a much nicer experience. Yeah. Well, even on that, like a thousand thing, um, I think it's Tim Ferriss has like a YouTube, um, like recreate of, of it now. Um, the thousand fans starts with one true fan, right? It starts with one and it starts with two and then it starts mm. with three, right? It doesn't start with a thousand, right? Like you need to start somewhere, but the point is making sure that if you can build one true fan, you're going to be able to build two, right? And you're going to be able to recreate that. It's just about understanding, well, how does that actually happen? And I think a lot of people get on socials because like, you know, now people just have thousands of followers and like on the same sometimes I'm like am I speaking to anyone or am I just yelling mm -hmm. at this, you know in a basketball stadium do you know what I mean yeah. like it's so much easier to be able to build connections with a small group of people because you feel like you're directly talking to them the bigger things get the harder it is to actually feel like you're doing that and that's yeah. super important as well it's why I love Facebook groups um like yes. Facebook does anyone even use it anymore I'm not sure what like, update their status whatever I <laughs> go on there just for the groups because I love all yeah. the features in the groups you feel like you're generally talking to people it's a very um they've updated a lot of features like it's a great platform to be able to use they're constantly evolving it and it just feels so much more intimate than um than instagram or even mm. like tiktok or anything like that which such it's designed for masses it's designed for growth it's not designed for connection so that's why when you're in the online space it's also important to understand like what platforms you're using to try and build community because every platform has a different um a different need or a different offer than the other so it's really important when you're trying to build niches and communities that you're actually collecting containers and pockets in spaces that you can deliver a really good value to yeah and it takes time and effort and energy always I mean the world is so fast paced now and numbers uh, consumerism is through the roof and there are millions of people we can interact with in a day but if you're to build those true fans you do need to put in the social time effort and energy in order to nurture that relationship because it, it is a relationship at the end of the day we can't just go straight to the end result take the time out to grow and learn and and enjoy it while you're going on 
enjoy it. Enjoy I think it. That's so important. Like we're so quick to want the the next thing or be yeah. at the end, rather than being like, oh, it's so fun when you're first starting. You can make all the mistakes <laughs> and have trial and error and just learn along the way. Um, but in regards to like niche marketing, niche community, like we've mentioned a lot about it and like maybe our own experience. But some of the benefits of niching down, like all the benefits, actually outweigh the, I guess the the negatives of niching down. I don't. I personally don't feel like there is any negatives of niching down anyways but when you do niche down you can really allow yourself to build a standout brand where people know you for that um and that's a benefit right because think about it if you cut your finger what do you go and get Danny? mommy no band-aid <laughs> yeah. did you know band-aid is the brand well there you go like well what's the alternative a tissue no, it's called like a sticky or something. Like Band-Aid sticky. is the brand. It's like yeah. Kendall. So you go. Wait, get- what? Is Band-Aid not the actual name of that plastic thing that you put on a cut? No. Get stuffed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you go and get a Band-Aid, right? And this is a <laughs> I just need a moment. <laughs> I just need a moment. You just need a wow. moment. But like what we were saying about the AirPods. You know, I just yep. need my AirPods, you know, I just, we, yeah. we, we associate things with the brand, not so yeah. much um, the product. I don't go, I need some paracetamol. I don't, mm, I need some ibuprofen. Yeah, I, I need some Nurofen. I need some Panadol. We wow. use brands because that's what we remember. Yeah. We remember the brand and how it makes us feel and, and the, the, I guess the reputation of the brand um, as well. Like I go on the supermarket and I'm like, well, I'm paying $6 for Panadol or $2 for Paracetamol. I'm going to buy the Paracetamol because I know that. But to You still call who, it Panadol. Yeah. But for someone mm. who doesn't, they're going to go, oh, I trust Panadol. I trust it. I trust it more. Look at the yes. packaging. Like it's it's shiny. Like it says fast absorbing, enteric coating. What's that even mean? Like and they pick it. <laughs> Sounds um, fancy. <laughs> you know, even think about endone. It's oxycodone, right? Like mm. everything has a, a a brand name and then uh, like a pharmaceutical name or a traditional name of what it actually is. So when we niche down, we become a brand, right? We can become a brand of what that product or service is. I want to be known for women's health and fitness. Like that is what I want to do. Women's mm. health movement. It's very clear. And that's like what I was saying is like my my mission, vision moving forward is yep. being able to do that. So when people think of women's health and fitness, they they come to us. Um, not because of from a vain perspective, but because I know that we can deliver the best in that sort of area. Yep. And that's just what I'm confident on. So when you can become that clear and really want to stand out um, as a standalone brand, you get to monopolize the industry, set your standards, your prices, your expertise, um, your clear guidelines, your way of doing things. Like you get to set that because that's Mm. what a brand actually is. And I think that is so freaking cool when you can actually do it. It's a monumental achievement for people that actually get there because we look up to like Apple and Nike and, you know, all these massive brands that have monopolized the game. And then they've absolutely monopolized the way in which they do things, which is yeah. very, very cool. And I think we can all do this on a micro level as well. We can all do this locally. Something I think a lot of people don't um, harp down on. If I was like a local in-person PT or whatever it might be, I would niche hard in my local area. Like yeah. You said I would be on the gym floor. I'd be the best freaking personal trainer at my local gym. That my books were full all the time, so I could up my prices and half my clients. And yep. I could move some online, and I could do these sort of little things until I became the best personal trainer in Geelong. 
eventually when you you're you become the best you get optionality and you get to diversify your audience your brand your service you go online you can go globally you can do lots of things but you don't even have to do that you don't have to scale you don't have to get bigger um but niching down is just going to make you enjoy the process a lot more and also be able to charge more according to your worth yeah, for sure. And just to go back to that, the Band-Aid, I mean, I think what they nailed so much is there was a distinct problem, which was the cut on the finger, and then that is their solution. So straight away we tie their brand to be a solution to a very specific problem, which is why they just nailed it. Um, what I noticed about Colgate, have you ever tried to bloody buy a toothpaste, which you would because hopefully everyone's brushing their teeth every day, <laughs> so it runs out quite often. How many? How many? We said two. Actually, that was with you that we were talking about. We're like, how many bloody um, different types of toothpaste are there? And even she agreed. She's like, yep, there's way too many. And we go, I know, too many. So then they just tried to spread it right. That was fun that one time we went shopping. Um, (laughs) We need the necessities. Yeah, but too many, you get choice fatigue. Whereas if there's just one or two, great, I'll pick that. Um, And then to fast forward what you were saying about, you know, trainers on the gym floor, make sure you're the standout, bring your personality. And that's what I try and say to the coaches. Um, We've got a a few new young coaches that have come through, which is awesome. And straight away, the the same sort of things come up. Oh, you know, I need to learn more. I need to be more like so-and-so. But we're like, no, wear the colored clothes that you love wearing bright, bring your personality, bring your humor, like bring your individual nature into the group and that's how you stand out for your clients like you won't appeal to everyone um but you will appeal to the people that want that and want you so yeah it does sound very cliche but you have to be yourself because you know we don't we're offering a a service with humans not robots no one wants to spend their day with a robot you know like they want fun they want personality they want your charm so just really own that and use that yeah absolutely it reminds me of like Simon Sinek has a famous book called um oh what's it called why yeah and he's got the diagram about leaders no no not leaders eat last um start with why start with why that's yes it. but he's I got that diagram or that sort of like that golden arches and it's like why what how um and i take it one further people don't just buy why you do what you do they buy like who you are and, and why you do it like they yes. buy that that how piece as well they buy like how you show up um and what type of person you are so so important in the industry where we all sell nutrition and training at the end of the day like essentially we all fix a similar problem but how we fix it and why we fix it is just as important as what we do to fix it. So never forget that. Um, mm. I found it, Danny. So Band-Aid is a brand of adhesive bandages distributed. Um, so wow. we don't go to the supermarket and go, I need an adhesive bandage. That'll be a bit weird. Like the problem, right? Businesses solve a problem. We go problem yeah. and we go for a Band-Aid. <laughs> My adhesive um bandage yeah mind blown I'm next time I'm in the chemist or you know the shops I'm gonna have a look and see if there are actually any different brands or if band-aid just wiped everyone out of the park oh that's it yeah no question um (laughs) also based on what we were just saying a thought came up make sure you look the part as well like how often do we get and we we've all been there probably to the brink of burnout where you're just freaking exhausted but don't be that trainer who just looks like shit. You're so tired. You, you haven't even washed your clothes or your hair. Like look 
the part because, again, people are coming to you to improve their life. Make sure you practice what you preach. Again, easier said than done, but we need to reiterate this over and over and over and over and over again. You might be the smartest. You might have done the most study, all of this, but if you don't look like an end result of someone, you know, that is their first impression. They're not going to go to you. Present Mm -hmm. yourself well, just like any workplace or any store. Imagine if we rocked up to a store and all the clothes were on the ground, everything was everywhere and it was a big mess. You'd walk right out. You might have the best products in the whole wide world in that store. Mm-hmm. If it looks like shit, it's not neat, it's not appealing or easy. Um, not that I'm saying for everyone to look easy, but you know what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> look the part um, mm-hmm. and then you'll be more approachable. Smile. You might have. I remember when I was younger, you know, teenage dramas, everything was just the end of the world, but I would come to work Pretend none of that existed in that hour that I was with my client. Put a smile on your face and then you just don't bring that to work either. And then they don't have to deal with your shit and then you don't scare them away as a client too. What sort of people are you seeing that don't look the part? Like what would that look like if they um, didn't, I guess, look the part? Like I wouldn't think that people would rock up like that anymore. I would have thought that that's a pretty obvious one. It is pretty obvious, but you still have it. For me now, what I notice the most is emotionally now i'm not saying we all have to be over the top those happy people that you know they're covering something up as well like too over the top but just pay attention to like your resting face you might have had a shit day and i'm sorry we all have shit days and it sucks um but that's not your client's problem there's Mm -hmm. there's a a boundary in which how much you give to them you're allowed to say oh you know, I'm feeling a bit tired today, guys, or whatever, but you don't need to make it their full problem, particularly in a service where someone's coming to better their lives, you know. So you, you just sort of notice it. People, are, you can be frowning or just just any, oh, a big one for me, which, again, it's just like you need to put a bit of an act on it at your workplace. Like if we were to go to a restaurant, actually me and Paul went out for breakfast the other week and then the waitress was like, hey, no, how you? No, I actually asked her how she was going, just because that's what I do. Oh, yeah, not really good. And then just was staring at the ground for a bit, like, okay, well, this is a shit versus. But oh, are you okay? Yeah, we're really busy. And then just went on a tangent, complaining about the whole oh, restaurant. God. Do you think we stayed and got our eggs? We got the hell out of there. I go, I don't want eggs from these people who can't hold their shit together. Let's go next door. Imagine how we, they're gonna come out poached. Literally, oh. we probably ended up walking out with salmonella or something. You know. The the yolk would have been hard boiled and that would have been the end end of it. They gone. Your week's gone when that happens. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so impressions are everything. I'm not saying to to cover it all up and pretend that nothing ever bad happens to you, because that's bullshit. Yeah. But time and a place, guys. Absolutely. It sort of reminds me like I was just thinking, um, you know, myself back in the day when I was nursing. Is it like I used to go into labor ward like and I'd be tired or I'd be hungry if I was in prep or I'd just, you know, night shift, whatever you're doing, mm. like, you know, and I just think, shut the fuck up, Sherelle. Like there is a woman <laughs> in labor. How dare you say that you're tired or hungry? Yes. How dare you say that? Yeah. And I think, again, this is why like lived experience and perspective is just so important because like you're having a bad day, like someone else is having a worse day. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you need to go, oh, well, like I don't matter. But like say poor me for like five minutes and do it <laughs> privately in the toilet and then get out and go, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm here to like, 
I'm here to deliver value, right? Yes. Like I'm here to do my best. People are paying me to be here and yes. they don't care if I've had a bad day, like on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, like, you know, I always say like fake it till you make it. Like I don't think it's a bad piece of advice. I think we need to be able to step into a different persona at different periods of time because that shows resilience and that shows grit and that shows that we have diversity. And even like if you are having a bad day, you can name it and then like, you know, move on and say, you know, but I'm actually not going to let it impact the way I'm delivering things or the way that I'm doing things. I'm just naming it. Um, the yeah. other thing that sort of come to me is like, it's when you, it's like when you go out the front of a hospital, it used to blow my mind and there'd be like all the nurses smoking. Oh, yes. Next to the patients with the I've oxygen seen bottles. That. Yes. <laughs> Literally. What and is it's, that? It's just, it's just the definition of like when you, <laughs> I guess you like, and I, I say this, I say this lightly because no one really, like a lot of people, don't want to smoke it's an addictive trait of course and it's yeah, like yeah. a hard thing to break but I'm saying it's got nothing to do with the person but what is the perception of that oh they don't look after their health like mm. you know that is the perception and by no means is it um is it a true reflection some of these like I know a lot of people in fitness that smoke like so it's not a true reflection it's not like they don't care about their health and fitness but that's how it's perceived right and that's super important <laughs> more mm. important in business as well like well, important for everything but I'm just saying when people have choice like we don't get choice in hospitals let's be honest like mm. we go there and we we don't get to choose our nurse let's entitled. No. so we go there and and but in business like people get choice so yes. I think it's just important to be able to reflect the image that you want to portray yeah and and it's not always about wearing the fancier shoes or fanciest clothes or all of that but personality speaks volumes and your facial expressions and your posture are you looking forward and up and you know happy and approachable they're number one um particularly if you're struggling to get people to come up to you in the gym you know maybe it's the energy that you're giving off without even realizing it you know yeah yeah Absolutely. Well, I reckon maybe just some final points that we wanted to make um, in regards to niche is that your niche can change. And I think it will over time, it might evolve um, as you do. Uh, and it definitely has for, for both of us. Like it's, it's probably not something um, that might be conscious for a lot of people, but as you evolve and change your interests and hobbies and like, you know, you, you mature a bit and you grow out of ways of doing things and you become more clear of the person that you are, your brand is honestly just a, a direct, like, reflection of that those traits um so it can change you don't have to necessarily find your niche like your niche is your niche it's just like what you do you can refine it but allow it to change and allow it to evolve yeah almost let the niche find you sometimes Mm -hmm. because sometimes it can be right there and you haven't really opened your eyes to it so let it find you as well yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is just understanding that your niche makes every, or that having a niche makes everything else easier. So, you know, you can better understand client needs. You can better understand how to market, um, how to retain your current clients based on what their needs are, because you can build more rapport, you can communicate more effectively, and really do, the list just does go on. So really niching down and becoming clear on why people are coming to you. What is the value that you're actually offering? It's not the training program. What is the value that you're actually offering and how can you like double down on your strengths how can you double down on the abilities that are retaining the people so they can keep coming back yes and in that comes recognizing that you can't help everyone with everything so find what you're good at find what you love doing and then build on that as you just said otherwise 
hire a team member who can help you or refer out as well. But as we always say, you don't have to wear all the hats. So find the hat that fits nicely on your head and, and keep that one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we hope this was helpful for everyone, not only just those uh, in the coaching, personal training, online space or fitness industry, but regardless of like who you are, you have a personal brand as well. And this is why it's important to understand like your niche is just that reflection of your personal or professional brand. And if you are wanting to like leverage off that or create a service or a product or monetize off that brand, becoming more clear on the the types of people that you as a brand or your professional brand actually service is only going to enhance that product or value even further. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you did enjoy it or if you did resonate with you, we would love to hear, especially when we do more of these business ones, we want to be able to make sure that there's a niche on the opposite side of it that also (laughs) needs it too. So please let us know if you did enjoy this episode and as always, take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram. Thanks, everyone.